We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hey, Pack a Day listeners! It's Sarah Kelleher from the Wednesday edition of the Pack a Day podcast. As all of us are learning how to navigate through what are some unprecedented times. Our team here at Packaday, as well as the team at Cheesehead TV, will be joining forces to help those who need it. With recent COVID-19 related school closures, job disruptions, and health risks, millions of Americans will turn to local food banks for much needed support. Together, our teams are raising money to benefit Feeding America, the nation's largest domestic hunger relief organization. Our fundraising campaign will run through March 26th to April 3rd, and all proceeds will go towards Feeding America's efforts to providing meals to those who need it across the nation. For more information, you can visit the Packaday Twitter at Packaday Podcast or check out any of our team's Twitter profiles. We hope you'll join us on our week-long effort to support those who truly need it. Thank you in advance for your contribution. Thank you for always listening. And as always, Go Pack Go! Welcome back, Packers fans, to the Pack-A-Day podcast. It is nearly the end of March, and if you're anything like me and you're stuck at home, you might have lost track of what day of the week it is or what date it is. So it is Saturday, March 28th. I am Jason Perrone, along with Mark Eckel of Packer Report. Mark, how are things at the beach today? Nice. Weather's good. I mean, you know, I'm making – I'm lucky. Like I said to you, be off the air. Um 
you know, if you're going to be quarantined, it's it's you may as well be quarantined right on the beach, I guess. Right? At least I have I have that going for me. Yeah, and so at least uh, if nothing else, we're moving towards the warmer weather portion of the programming in the colder weather regions. So hopefully those of you who are listening that are still looking at drabby or maybe even some snow outside, hopefully that is soon going to be gone. And as we move back to whatever normal is going to look like after all is said and done, but there's some Packers to talk about. And fortunately for us, there was a move that was made on Friday. Tyler Irvin, running back Tyler Irvin, is back on a one-year deal. Uh, Mark, I'm sure we share a brain on this particular topic, but for me, it was a sight for, I guess I wouldn't say a sight for sore eyes, but it was very much comforting for me to know they were bringing him back because I just didn't see any way that they shouldn't, and especially since he was still on the market at this point, right? Yeah, I I agree. He was one of the guys, um, of all their unrestricted free agents, I think they had 13 of them or so, 12, 13, whatever it was, um, they he I, there was only like three that I really three or four that I said you know I want back and Crosby was one and they took care of him very early. Irvin was another. Um, I didn't think you know he didn't get a lot of money. I didn't think he I didn't think he, he would. It's a nice deal for for him. He got a little bit a little bit of a guarantee. Makes a little over the minimum. Uh, it counts minimally against the salary cap, which is a good thing. Uh, but like you, I was pro- when he. Once the market opened and he hadn't signed back yet, um, I was a little nervous. Like, oh, uh, maybe they don't want him for some reason. Why? I wouldn't know. Or maybe maybe he wanted a lot more than, you know, the Packers were willing to give him. But then it's only been a little bit. And, and I, you know what? He probably, not him, his his agent probably said, hey, listen, we we know the Packers want you. We know the kind of deal they're willing to offer. Let's see if we can get more. You know, let's see if if, if another team might want to give you a little. And you know, it all worked out. So, um, you know, I mean, if you watched the Packers at all last year, you saw the difference he made in the re- return game. I mean, it went from the worst, not just in the in the league, the worst of all time, <laughs> to pretty good. You know, he was a pretty good punt returner. And, you know, kickoffs kickoffs these days, most of them don't get returned anyway. They they, they, they go out of the end zone. But even his kickoffs were, were pretty good, and his punts were very good. And I think next year you'll see him a little more involved in the offense. Oh, he paid immediate dividends in the return game. It was evident, like, from the, from the absolute get-go. And there's another example of how Gutekunst and his team keep an eye out on who's out there during the season and made a nice move to solidify that position. It's just been, I mean, how many years in a row were special teams just very average? Average? You're being kind. Right. They were not good. They were below average, yeah. And I, and I don't know if, if you got into Rick Goslin's special teams rankings every year, if you read that, the Dallas. Which, um, which, are you familiar with his write-ups? Well, Absolutely. Like I said, Rick and I go back a long way. Yeah, I figured you might you might know him. He's got a great reputation, a smart guy, been in the business for a while, but no one else does that as far as I know, right? Does anyone else do a special teams deal like he does? Not like him. No. I mean, I, teams have their own um, grading systems as well, uh, but I, I think a lot of the teams follow him, to be honest with you. Yeah, 
Yeah, and the Packers just seem to be at the bottom of the list all the time. You know, sure. I mean, I, I story after story, and we've we've talked about all the special teams issues that they've had. So Tyler Irvin back is a huge help there because now you don't have to reach, which the Packers hopefully, and I don't, I don't think Gooten and his staff are reachers, but now you don't have to reach for a guy that's necessarily also a returner. Like, for example, as I was going through and doing some mock drafts, one of the reasons why I like Brandon Ayuk so much is minus the fact that he's an Arizona State Sun Devil. Saying, it's from, he's from Arizona State. That's why you like him. Right. Well, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm very familiar. Well, and that increases my familiarity with him. But he's he's very versatile and can give you that special teams. You know, you know. And now, if you want to pick a different guy and you want more of a pure receiver, like I'm hearing, the Packers are pretty high on Denzel Mims and some of those other guys. Now you maybe make that selection and you go with the guy who's the pure receiver and can really add some good mojo to your offense. So the Tyler Irvin signing back is obviously great all around. And then, well, the the only other thing I was going to say on it was now after that transaction, Ken Ingles updated the salary cap projection, which is just a projection, but uh, he's got the spendable cap at about minus $50,000, which is easily fixed. I'm not concerned about that at all. I mean, in real money, they're about $10.5 million over the cap, or under the cap, I should say. Well, I thought more than that even. Well, we don't know what the, what the, what the, what's his name's deal is yet, functions. Right. We don't know how. We, we have, that's kind of weird, isn't it? He's, I mean, the deal was reported a few days. Now, the Packers haven't announced it yet, but it's been out there for a couple days now. And we don't even know how many years he got. He yeah, one year deal, but we don't. We have no idea. That's kind of I'm, a little strange, don't you think? Well, so I guess it would be more strange to you than anybody else. So let me ask you this: What is the typical timeline for a player gets signed to the transaction details are available for you guys to write it up? Well, to be honest, usually the agent gives it to you. That's where you, the teams never. I mean, I shouldn't say that. Through the years, I've gotten information from team from the team. 20% of the time, maybe. I might be a little high there. Um, and they want it out. And if, and if I, when I had people in the front office that actually liked me, which wasn't very often, um, they would give me some some details. But mostly it comes from the agent. Uh, that's why sometimes they're always a little higher than they, when, they, when they're first re- reported, they're a little bit higher because the agent gives you, like, what it could be. The, like, for instance, with the linebacker that the Packers signed, Kirksky, if you remember when it first got out, it was $16 million, right? Right. Well, that right. hits all of incentives. It'll be $16 Right, right. $13 million. Uh, But eventually it goes, I want to say within a week usually, it goes on um, the, NF, the NFL PA's website, which a lot of media members have access to now. Um so you see it there, and that's, and that's when you, when a writer, here I'm going to get out, I'm going to get out all the writer secrets here. I'm going to piss off all the all the beat writers now. behind so, the scenes. I'm just going to tell you the way it works. So the agent gives it to you early, and that's why you'll see, especially like the bigger names, you know, when a big guy signs, you'll see like originally like that that day you'll see, you know, so and so signed for six years, eighty four million, forty million guaranteed. You say, oh wow, okay. Then about a week later. The beat writers will they'll have another little story saying, here's the full details of so-and-so's contract. And it will say base salary of this, you know, signing bonus of this, 
He can make this much based off incentives. He can do that. All that gets put on the NFLPA website, and it, and it breaks it down for you really nice. Um, so, but again, we haven't heard anything about fund. We haven't heard one, if it's one year, eight years. I mean, uh, it's kind of that. Just, I find it a little strange that there's been no there's been no leak whatsoever. Yeah, and and I think part of what you're saying is interesting, and that's you know that's awesome for you to share to share it with us. But what I was going to say was. We know by now that the reporting, the stuff that scrolls across the bottom of the screen on ESPN is not the guaranteed money. And the NFL is different in that it's not like baseball where you sign a contract and every penny is guaranteed. And even if the player gets cut or leaves the team and goes and sits on his couch for three years, he's still going to collect on that money. So in the NFL, you have to be very diligent in keeping yourself up to date with what these guys are actually going to get paid. And the guaranteed money is really what counts in football, too, because the rest of it is just numbers, to be honest with you. I mean... Um, most guys don't get that either. If they don't pan out, they get released before their contract's up, and then so they don't get the rest of that money. Or if they are good, they'll get a going into your last year. They'll give you an extension for whatever many more years and, and whatever. Which leads me to what the Packers should be doing right now with David Bakhtiari. I think they they could extend him. His cap number is very high this year. I believe it's fourteen million. Mm-hmm. They can give him a new deal, you know, what give him what he's worth, and lower that cap number by two, three million, which would give them a little more cap. And I, they're probably going to do that because they're 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 getting to the point where they're going to need a little more cap space. You you gave Engels his numbers out. Um, I mean, they're going to need a little more room. So, and again, Lane Taylor is still the elephant in the room that. You know, everybody knows they can get $4 million with if they trade or cut them. Uh, and I think they're waiting. I would think at this point he may get traded during the draft. Yeah, so David Bakhtiari, his cap hits this year is the same as last year almost. It's up up 500000 so it's 14.7 against the cap. Um, you can get that down to like a to like between 10 and 12. Mm-hmm. And, and and save like I said, you know, maybe three million or so. Yeah, his base is ten five, and then his dead cap is only three point two. What did I cut? I'm not saying that. I'm not well, just just for throwing just for throwing numbers out there, and in terms of you know turning a bunch of it into a, a signing bonus or whatever that be. There's there's always ways to make it happen. Yeah, you extend them, give them a bonus up front, and that you know stretch that out over six years or however long his, his new deal will be, and that and and, and you know problem solved you you save some money same with Corey Lindsay they, if, if they want to keep him around which I would I, again I'm hearing things like maybe they won't but you could lower his number by 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 a couple million as well yeah and I'd have to think that there's probably a value to like Corey Lindsay is is he's he's got to be probably about 28 29 years old he's been pretty durable I mean he's actually one of those guys that could be a sneaky tough thing because if you're trying to to bring him back at a team friendly deal there's you know centers are not easy to good really good centers are not easy to find so right. there there could be a I mean there's probably going to be a team that's going to be willing to outbid the Packers they would be smart to try to offer him a deal now and say hey let's get you an extension we'll get you some more money now and, you know yeah it may not be a total market deal when you hit the market next year in free agency but Everything is so uncertain right now. Like I, you know, I don't know how much Kirk Herbstreit's opinion matters to you, but he says he'll be surprised if there's even a season this year. And I don't know. Are, are you? Have you heard anything from anybody of of note that that's a possibility? I guess anything is. Anything's possible with this. What's going on? But 
a friend of mine, when a friend of mine sent me the, the, the Herb Street, you know, the quote and the, and the little story that went with it. And I, I tweeted or I texted him back and said, if there's no NFL, the world's over and it's the end of the world. I mean, if this goes on that long that it cancels it, 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 the NFL season, then we got we got problems that are beyond the, the NFL. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if, you know what I'm saying? It, it, first of all, the NFL has showed you they don't care. Everybody wanted them to put off free agency, put off the league year, put off the draft. Nope. They said, hey, we're the NFL. We do what we want to do. Mm-hmm. We don't care about no virus. We're having our draft. We're having our we're going to move it around. We're 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 going to be smart. You know, we're not we're not going to put anybody at risk. But we're not. We don't. We're the NFL. We're not Major League Baseball. We're not hockey. We're not some other. We're the NFL. Don't tell us what to do. So if they if for the NFL to cancel, say whoa, we're it's and 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 guess what? I I couldn't agree with the NFL more for having the draft and for having free agency because they're not putting anyone at risk. You know, guys were signing over the phone. This is 2020. You don't have to be – this isn't, you know, where you have to actually see – Tom Tampa Bay didn't have to meet Tom Brady to sign him. I think they knew who he was. You know what I'm saying? Right. So, you know, you could get all this done, and they're getting it done. And they're giving people an outlet. I think we, we talked about this this before a little bit. But, you know, we're talking about even a small deal like, like Tyler Irving, right? It's something that we don't have to just – that we could tell, hey, the Packers re-signed their, their, their return guy. Hey, that's great. You know, instead of just worrying every day about the virus and worrying every day about being quarantined, worrying every day about, you know, what, you know, I need this, I need that, can I go to the store, you know, it gives you, and that's what sports are supposed to be, an an escape from reality and a, you know, a fun thing. So at least, thank God football, because everything else isn't, is done, at least football's given us something to talk about, good and bad. Hey, I didn't like that signing. I like that one. I I can't believe they they let that guy go. Whatever. It's giving you something to talk about, something to think about. Yeah, well, I, I for one greatly appreciate having it around yeah. and just a, just a little bits here and being able to talk with some Packers football with you and the other guys that I do some of the other shows with. It's obviously a good escape for everybody, but I think we're fortunate to be able to do this and and just kind of take a break from it for for a minute there. I mean, yeah, I maybe you know it was it seemed like it was the NBA and that player that tested positive that kind of started the whole ball rolling of sports shutting down. Maybe the NFL in their selfish ways are going to be the ones that are going to save the world and say no, we're going on, we're moving ahead, and all of a sudden everything just gets gets uh, resolved. I don't who knows, you know. You know I, I just prayed it by you know by training camp. We're talking training camps now. They might I've heard and I think we've all heard this, and it makes there might not be those OTAs. That, in that, May. That, that start up pretty soon. Yeah, they might. And guess what? That, the NFL can get by without OTAs. All right, let's 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 be honest. Are they good things? Yeah, it's good for the young guys and all this and that. But, hey, I can give, I can give up an OTA here and there. But well, if, there's if, a lot. Like you mentioned. July, when camp opens, we're in trouble. Yeah. Well, like you said, too, it's 2020. So even though it's not the same thing. I guess teams that have a new coordinator or a new head coach, there's a lot of technology that you can at least connect with somebody and show them what you're doing. Right. You know, I mean, same, but and that's where I, I will say this: if there's no OTAs and and things, you know, but the, but everything else stays the same, and by the end of July when camps open, everything's fine. Yeah, I think the new coaches, the Ron Rivera in Washington, um, I'm trying to think who else, uh, the Joe Judge with the Giants. Those guys, you know, Mike McCarthy and, and um, Dallas, they're all going to be a step behind that. 
because they, they that's who really needs the, the off season is you know just to get to know their players, just to get to know who's what, where you know where, you know if, if you're changing from a four three to a three four or, or vice versa, if, if you're going from a you know a West Coast offense to a more run oriented or whatever you're doing, yeah, you might need a little more time. So keep that that that's something to keep an eye on. I think teams with with Veteran teams with, with that have been through the same system, they're going to be at a little bit of, of an advantage over the, the the new coaches and new and new systems. Right. Yeah. And so, fortunately, this is year two with Matt Lafleur versus last year. Yeah, last year, this would have been a problem. Yeah, it would have been. And there's you know all the rookies and all that other kind of stuff. But you know, hopefully, hopefully, there's very minimal disruption. And again, I'm I'm glad the NFL is sticking with it because I happen to work in an industry that's been very impacted by all of this, which is hospitality. And so any sense of normalcy to me right now is just like I can't get enough of it. I'm jonesing for it in the worst way. So I'm, I'm with you, man. This is this is a good thing. It's a, it's a good escape. So thank you, Tyler Irvin, for signing your contract so we could have something fun to talk about on this particular day. But the big question before we move on to a really cool piece that you did for Packer Report are, is there's still some players out there, and even though the Packers right now don't have a ton of cap space, however you want to look at it, are there any other moves that you want to see before before mm. the? I guess I'll I guess I'll say before the draft because let's keep it relevant and and within the next couple of weeks, do you think the Packers have to bring in another body or two before they draft? No, they don't have to. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing you know another. Good veteran player, and I like the Funches move. By the by the way, I know I know I'm sure our, our colleagues, you know, talked about that all 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 week. But I kind of like it. I think he's he's so young, 25. I, I didn't realize he, how how young he was. He, I didn't he either. He, he he came out very early or very young. Um, big target, good. You know, the Packers have struggled in in the red zone the last couple of years, right? Well, this gives them another good red zone target. I think. Um. Again, I'm not saying, "Wow, hey, listen, Super Bowl now, we got Devin Funches." But no, it's a good, it's a good addition. And again, I'd love to see what the contract's for if it ever comes out. Uh, I mean, if, if they gave him a ton of money, I'm not going to be. I'm, I'll, I'll, I might have a different opinion, but I'm sure they didn't. If they gave him a ton of money, the agent would put it out there by now. Um, so anyway, I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind another better. I wouldn't. I wouldn't of their own guys. I like to see what they're going to do with Tremont Williams. I wouldn't, you know, if they tell me they're resigning him, I certainly wouldn't be upset. I don't know how much he'll have left, but I think he he provides a very good um, mentor slash leader to an otherwise young group of defensive backs. I think he, he's very good for for both King and Alexander um, Sullivan. Um, you know, Jackson, Holloman, all those. I mean, it's a very young group back there. And I wouldn't, you know, I'd like to see a veteran back there. And if it's, if it's not Tremont, then, then another guy in that ilk, maybe not 37 years old, but, an, you know, an older veteran corner maybe. Well, and, and you said too, this was another nice insight that you were willing to share with us. You said that everyone's talking about how deep this class is with tackles and wide receivers, but the cornerback class, you, right. you know, you've got, you've got someone on the inside who said this is going to be a good corner class as well too, right? Oh, my, the guy that I trust the most, I'll be writing a lot of draft stories in the next couple of weeks. Um, yeah, he said he's never seen a corner class. Now, he's not saying it's, a, it's they're all 
you know, there's Deion Sanders or anybody in this draft, but he's saying, yeah, I think he, he said there's 14 guys that he really likes that he thinks could come in and play for you off the go, which is a lot. Wow. Yeah, of course. Yeah, he said, and they're all about the same. He said, you know, you know, the kid from Ohio State is probably the best, uh, and and he could go as high as number three overall. But then he said there's a big group of guys after that that are all they're all good. They're all good players, good solid players, and you, and that might and they may last to the third round. But again, I again with looking at it strictly from the Packers, sure. But if they draft a corner, then obviously it's somebody that they like and they think it can help. But they're young enough back there. I don't think. I mean, I'm, I'm not looking for. A, I mean, if they draft a young guy, it's probably going to be to take over for for, for Kevin King next year if they don't think they're going to re, re-sign him. But I just want a guy. I just want a, a veteran back there. A, a, I want a Tremont Williams or his or someone like him, just to be that mentor for the younger guys because like I said it's a pretty young group yeah it is it's a young group and I I think we always see what what the Packers do in one year to address the following years and it gives us a clue as to what they might do I don't know what their plans are for Kevin King he had a good statistical season in 2019 was that a flash or was it just simply hey he's finally healthy this is what he can actually do when he's healthy for a whole season, we'll find out how the team sees it soon enough. Yeah, well, and I, and I think the kind of, we'll see what he does in 2020. If he has a, another solid year, I mean, again, they'll, they'll probably try to keep him. The problem is if they don't get something done with – they have five very good, in my opinion, five of their top players' contracts expire at the end of, at the end of this, this year. Bakhtiari, Lindsley, as, as we've mentioned, um, Kevin King, um, Aaron, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. No, Kenny Clark. And Kenny, well, and Kenny Clark, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not putting Jamal. I mean, yeah, I would have it's five and a half, if you want to say. Right, sure. But Kenny Clark, I mean, that's, you know, I think Kenny Clark's the best player on the team. Other than, I mean, Aaron Rodgers aside, I think Kenny Clark's the best young player on the team. How about that? Yep. I think he's so important to that. I mean, and I think they, they think so, too. I mean, he's just – it's a – that defense is just so different when when he's healthy and playing well. And he, he makes he's the kind of guy, and I think this is the best compliment you can give a player in any sport. He makes the people around him better. Dean Lowry's when Kenny Clark's at the top of his game, Dean Lowry's a, a good player. If Clark's a little nicked up, bagged up, not playing as well, Lowry's not very good at all. And it just shows you how important Clark is to, to the rest of that line and the line by everything. He's just I think he's I just I can't say enough good things about Kenny Clark. Right, yeah. No, he's great. And I think the Packers, are, are they'd be foolish not to try to get a deal done with him, even though defensive line doesn't, you know, necess- I guess per se it doesn't impact the pass rush. And they say, you know, be careful with your money if they're not impacting the pass rush. But Kenny Clark actually does in a way because he's opening stuff up for the Smiths and, and uh, Gary and everyone else. And they've, they've actually said it, and that's rare for a team to come out and, well, Ted Thompson never said much about anything, so we were we had a bunch of years where we we, we never heard anything. But um, I mean, they came out and said, "Yes, we're we're, we're we want to get this done with Kenny Clark." So they they've been, they've come out and they, and they will. They'll get something done. It's just a matter of when and how much. Yeah. Well, and you can't ha- you can't ever have too many corners. And it's it, the thing is, it's going to come down to the value proposition. So if they get into the third round and there's a guy standing sitting right there staring him in the face that they were thinking like that, you know, if he's not going to make it past, or they've got a second-round grade on them. 
Yeah, then, you gotta yeah that's going to change. That's going to change. You know, I mean, you got to trust the board. And the other thing is, is we do all these mock drafts, and I can tell you, all the, the, all the ones that I've done, for some reason, they all tend to end up the same. But I think I think we fall into that lazy. At least I do. I fall into that lazy, like, okay, I, I'm I use I normally pick this guy in this spot. He's there. I don't love anybody else that's around him, so you go with that. And then we get used to the idea of that player, and then when they don't end up picking that player in that spot, then there's a little bit of like, oh, we missed out on that guy. But that's you know that's why we're not in the draft room, and the, the other guys that are getting paid and that know a lot more than we do are. You know, and hopefully they stay true to their board. I think the Packers have generally done that. I mean, there were a couple head scratchers that Ted Thompson made over the years, but you know, I mean, every GM's been put in that spot where you you thought for sure a guy was going to be there, and then all of a sudden he's not. And I think you and I've even talked about at one point or another, the Justin Harrell pick in 2007, that one's always going to stand out to me as the biggest clunker of, of a first-round pick that that I can imagine. And I know that he was injured and he never really got to live up to his potential, but he had an injury history coming out, and that was a panic pick by Thompson because Revis and Marshawn Lynch both went before, he, before Harrell, and then Harrell was the pick. And he would have taken either one. I mean, I think he thought in his mind one of them is going to be there. And they both went. And then he, yeah, he kind of panicked. He was panicking. So speaking of actually that perfect transition, so that leads into your your cool piece you did on Packer Report, which is the Packers all-time top picks in each round. So I'll kind of turn it over to you, Mark. I've got your notes here. But I want to hear your comments on it because this is my opinion. This is all my opinion. So tell me if you disagree with any of them. Right. Well, so the first round, you know, round in round one, you've got Aaron Rodgers in 2005. Right. And recency effect right now, absolutely. I mean, Aaron Rodgers yeah. is a home run. He's a complete total home run pick for I mean, for the Packers even, and and uh, getting him at twenty four. Yeah, I mean, they didn't get him with the first pick of the draft. They got him at twenty four, so that makes it even more special, I think. And they've had some good first round picks. Now, don't get me. You know, I'm, I'm not. I'm not Kenny Clark, who I just said. I mean, mm-hmm. on a lot of teams, he would have been their, their best. But you know what? Yeah, when when you get Aaron Rodgers. Well, when you get your Hall of Fame quarterback, that's got to be the guy, right? At number 24. Yeah. So, yeah, that was easy. So, um, first rounder, it's Aaron Rodgers. And remember, this is all time, everybody. So, this goes back 100 years. I'm sure you I'm sure you I, dug I, into the archives to see what, what, what happened in the 20s well, and 30s. Just an aside here, I kept my main pick to the modern era. I'd yeah. Say. But then I mentioned some guys from the past as well. Sure. You know, we're going way back. I didn't want to make it because it's a different world now. The you know, Super Bowl era, the NFL era, you know, when this is a different – as usually the Super Bowl era is when people draw the line a little bit. But Right. Um, but anyway, go ahead. Second round, I, I went with Leroy Butler. Second round, Leroy Butler, and I love, 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 love how you uh, had to get that little jab in there, which is true. And speaking of the Hall of Fame, Butler got robbed this year, and he, and he did. He really did. He really did. So, Leroy Butler, second rounder, 1990 out of Florida State. And he was drafted as a corner originally, right? I was right? going to say, I'm glad, good, I'm, hey, you're showing me a little something here. There okay, we go. you're yep. right. He was drafted as a corner. Yep. And actually played it, I believe, uh-huh. most of his rookie year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he did. They, and they, but they, and I'm not, I, you know, I wasn't, um, I was covering the league then, but I don't, I wasn't, you know, involved with, with Green Bay as much. But um, I believe they just had a bigger need at safety. At the time, and said, "Let's put him there." And look, and look what happened. Well, Ronnie Lott was the same thing. Ronnie Lott was drafted as a corner. Yeah, by San Francisco back in the way back in the day. Well, if uh, the Packers had a need at safety, they 
they had no idea how big of a need they did have when you look at what Butler turned out to be. Yeah, exactly. Now, he, I mean, he's, like I said, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I can't believe he didn't go in this year. I love Nick Collins. You know, Sharper was good for a minute, but different type of guy. I love Nick Collins, but Nick Collins, even if he finished out his career and played the whole thing and didn't get hurt, I don't think, I still don't think he would have put up the same type of impact and numbers that, oh. that Butler did. No, I love Nick Collins, too, and it's a shame how his career ended. But I put Leroy Butler, I mean, I covered Brian Dawkins' almost his entire, you know, Eagle career. I did cover, well, I did cover his entire Eagle career, and then he went to the Broncos at the end. But, you know, Dawk's great, and Dawk went into the Hall of Fame, fame a couple years ago. And but rightly so. Butler's, Butler's in the same paragraph. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, I, I put him right in that same, you know, Palomalu, great as well, you know, Ed Reed. You know they're all great players, I, but Butler Butler has nothing to he you know he can he can hang with Brian Dawkins and Troy Palomalo and all those guys. I mean he he really can. Yeah, and those guys are kind of synonymous with each other. Very good impact. Your long long careers, great career story careers. Um, I'll always remember Dawkins. I, I love Brian Dawkins, but I'll always remember him for catching that as I've heard many times re- referred to the bag of kittens that Brett Favre threw up in overtime in, in that uh, fourth and 26 game and uh, ending ending all hope at that point. So uh, you had a cool note in here though about the second round. If you want you want because you kept it to the modern era, but you had another name listed here who was a really good pick back yeah. in the early 60s. That's what I said, you know, going back I mean, you know I, I kept it, but that guy Jim Taylor wasn't a bad second round pick in 1960. Yeah, I've heard of that guy. <laughs> He wasn't bad. Yeah, he did okay for himself. He, I think he is in the whole thing. Yeah, good. yeah. No, he is. Yeah, I'm, I know, I know he is. I, I actually have a signed football from, from Jim Taylor. Yeah, old, a lot of old pack, old time Packers. And if there's if there's one era which I could have seen live, it's that team. I was little. I, I did. I mean, I, I don't. I wish I, I wish I was older and knew what I was watching. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, for me, my consciousness of what I was really watching didn't really kick in until I was. What, 10 or 11 years old. So, what was your what was the first Packer game you you remember watching? Monday Night Football, Packers Bears, 1986. After the Bears won the Super Bowl. Uh, when not not when they when Perry scored the touchdown and stuff. Uh, I don't think it was that game. It might have been. I'd have to go back and look. It was at Lambeau Field. It was at Lambeau Field. They, the Packers hosted the Bears. And that game actually is is the game that made me a Packers fan because up to that point I hadn't had a lot of football watching influence and I was from the Illinois locale so most of my family were Bears fans. Wow! And I actually I actually rooted for the Bears in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Oh yeah, I can see that. And then later that next season, for whatever reason, and again I can't explain it to you. I don't have like that easy explainable moment as to how I became a Packers fan. I just all I knew is I wanted Green Bay to win that game. And they, they didn't, didn't, and they didn't, and I was pissed off about it. And from that point forward, I was a Packers fan. Wow. Okay. And who was who? So eighty six, you said eighty six. Who was the quarterback then? Uh, I think that was. I think it was Randy Wright. If it wasn't, I think Lynn Dickey was done by then, right? Yeah, I was going to say Dickey. Was Dickey? Got, yeah, I think he was right. No, he, that might have been his last year. Eighty six. I'd have to go back and look. I think it was Randy Wright. I'm going to tell you in a second. You didn't go on with my third round. I think it was Randy Wright. So while you're looking that up, third round, sticking with the modern era, good good teammate of Leroy Butler's wide receiver, Antonio Freeman, out of Virginia Tech. Randy Wright was a quarterback. Dickey's last year was 85. So was Randy Wright, yep. 
So Freeman, wide receiver, Virginia Tech. Now this one, I, I don't know who all the third-round receivers are that the Packers have ever chosen, but Freeman was a huge, huge, huge part of those offenses and was was awesome. He caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. You know, he was a rookie. And um, interestingly, and now you said this was close. It was, because here's I'll, I'll tell you who it came down to. Freeman, who I picked. Mm-hmm. Robert Brooks. Okay. Who was his teammate and, you know, um, was a very good player also, but he, he got injuries kind of derailed his career a little bit, so that's kind of why I gave the edge for him. And another guy, and I, I meant I thought about him, but I went with Freeman, is Morgan Bur- Burnett, who we talked about earlier as a safety, you know, a pretty good safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you did it right. I think you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, people look at Brooks and Freeman, and they, they say, oh, well, Brooks was a better receiver, but you, get, you make a good point. His whole body of work was more robust because he was on the field. And those touchdowns, 50-something touchdowns, which was like fourth all-time in Packer history. The most exciting of which was the he did Vikings. what against the Vikings on Monday Night Football. Yep. yep. And then, again, going back in the day, if we go back in the day, 1958, the Green Bay Packers in the third round selected a linebacker named Ray Nitschke. Ah, that guy. Yeah, he wasn't bad. And he, and he started Packer Report. Report, yes, he did. So you all, I, hope, I hope there's no bad juju that you didn't pick him for that. Well, I, I, I would have. I, I, I said is, I, I was only – my top selection was only from the, the Super Bowl, you know, after 66. And on. Right. Right. But you but you, you paid you, – you made a mention. You made a mention of them. Yeah, right. I thought I had to. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so round four. This one, actually, this you know, I was thinking about round four, and it makes it makes a ton of sense. Um, David Bakhtiari, offensive tackle out of Colorado. Because like you said, when you find your bookend left tackle – in the fourth round, that has to go down as one of Ted Thompson's better picks in his tenure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he started right from the go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Pro Bowl, all pro left tackle in the fourth round. And to be honest, there really wasn't any, there wasn't, the fourth round hasn't been very kind to the Packers. I mean, let's, let's, let's just look recently. Jamon Moore, Vince Beagle, <laughs> um, Carl Bradford, or was he a fifth rounder? He, he might have been fifth. Jake Ryan. You know, Blake Martinez, say what you want about him, but he's no David Bakhtiari. You know, um, Jonathan Franklin, J.C. Treader, they were the same year as, as Bakhtiari, actually. So, yeah, the four, I mean, it, there wasn't a whole lot. There wasn't – Mike Daniels, good play. Mike Daniels could have – under consideration, but no, he's not David Bakhtiari. Well, and that year was interesting, that his rookie year, because the plan was not to put Bakhtiari at left tackle. It was Bulaga getting tearing his ACL at family night. And yep. he missed the season, so they moved Bakhtiari to the left side because Belaga was going to move to the left side. Yeah, no, that you're correct. That was the plan, and then I think Bakhtiari was. I think they were probably planning on maybe playing him on the right side, but he's been a left tackle ever since that day. It was Wally Pip action, but Wally Pip actually got to come back and play on the right hand, right hand side of the offensive line. No, you're right. You're and now, and I think this has happened since the last time we we went. But Wally Pip is not with the Packers anymore, unfortunately. I mean, I, they had to do what they had to do, but Brian Belaga will be protecting whoever plays quarterback in Los Angeles for the Chargers this year. Yes, you will. And good for him. I mean, like I said, I, I, and I said this, I've written this, that was the one that, and usually I'm, I have a strong opinion one way or another. This one I really, I could, I, I could, if they wrote him back, I wouldn't have been upset. I would have said, good, okay, they're bringing Belonga back. Good, the line's, the line's intact and they're good to go. Letting him go, I understand why. He's had injury history. He's getting up there in age. They didn't have a lot of room under, you know, this wasn't last year where they had a ton of cap room. And they wound up getting a guy who 
he's not Balaga, but he's not bad for half the price of Balaga. Right. So, I don't know. I mean, you have to do what you have to do sometimes. Right. And the Packers chose Rick Wagner, former Wisconsin Badger, and so we'll see how he does. I think he'll be fine. I don't. Will he be as good as Balaga? Probably Maybe. not, but he's, again, I, I love Balaga. I love him. Great player. Had a great career with the Packers. But, like I said, sometimes you have to do what you have to do. Right. And he's had injury history. Um, he didn't get crazy money. He got the money that exactly what I thought he would get, three years, $30 million. Um, they must They must just feel that – and they're probably going to draft. I mean, they're, I'd be shocked if they didn't draft a right tackle early, in the, in the first, well, if not the first round, the first three rounds this year. And, again, there's a lot of tackles in this draft too. Right. And they know that, obviously. Yeah, and I expect the Packers to address that. I mean, it, it, they're gonna, there's going to be a lineman picked. I don't know whether it's going to be interior or a tackle, but there's going to be some fortification that's done on that line there because Balaga's gone. Rick Wagner is not a long-term solution. They're going to want to get a guy in there. And then Cole Madison got hurt at the end of last year. There's a lot of question marks in the depth of the offensive line right now, right? Um, yeah, I mean. I, it, it's just on depth, just depth. I think attack, yeah, I think inside, well, they still have Lane Taylor, so I don't, I mean, they have depth as long as they, I mean, they have Jenkins and Turner, and they have Patrick and and, and Taylor, so they're, I, I think they're a little okay inside. Um, they get rid of Taylor, then they might need to come in, you know, middle rounds with a guard or something, but, right. um, yeah, they, they, they need a, they, they're going to draft a tackle early. I mean, Alex Light has proven he, he he's not the guy. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll be surprised if he even makes a team next year, to be honest with you. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think I think you've got a case there. So, round five. This one is interesting. I might need you to explain this one a little bit. I, I mean, I see how you came to the pick, but so your fifth round pick was. Oh, that was the hardest round to pick. Kabir Baja Biamila. Okay, now nobody's going to argue, and let's just you know he's he's been in the news for all the wrong reasons lately. Oh yeah, I, that had nothing to do with me. Which that which doesn't. So let's take that out of the equation. Everyone just remember, think about what he did as a defensive end rushing the passer. He is the second all time in Packers history with seventy four and a half sacks, That's and that was your deciding factor. But I'll turn it over to you to let you know of of all the other candidates that you were considering. Well, Dorsey Levins, who's one of my favorite, and I, I was a little biased there. I'm not going to admit I, we all have our favorites, and Dorsey's one of mine. Mm-hmm. So I was strongly thinking him. And I actually talked to somebody about that, and they said, "No, you got to give the KGB." I said, "All right, you're probably right." Uh, but there was some other Aaron Camp, very good player for a lot of years, mm-hmm. and again, he hasn't done it long enough. If 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 he if he stays a Packer, and I do this again in five years, Aaron Jones could could take over that spot. Mm-hmm. But not yet, right? He hasn't done it long enough yet. His story is still in the works. Exactly. So I went with KGB, like you said. You know, second all time in sacks. Gotta get, that 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 deserves something, right? I mean, and he, and he, you know, he had some big years. I mean, two thousand two thousand one was his first full time year, right? right? Thirteen and a half sacks. Two thousand two, twelve sacks. Two thousand three, ten sacks. 2004, 13 and a half sacks. That's that's four that's four double digit tax years in a row. Then 2005, he, he fell off to eight, and then he was gone after that. Or no, no, he had six in 2000. He kind of tailed off, but still, that's you got a lot. That's a lot of that's some good production out of a fifth round. And then he came back with nine and a half in 2007. So, you know, again, if someone wants to tell me I, I should have gone with Campman 
I'm not gonna, you know, it's, I'm, I'm not infallible, but <laughs> you know, or or Levins. I love the I love Dorsey Levins too. So that the pack. What it tells you is Packers do pretty damn good in the fifth round. Yeah, there's some rounds that have been really good to them, and then like you said, there's been some other rounds that haven't. Yeah, and this is weird, right? It is. It's very strange. But looking through this list, it gives us hope in every single round that they could find. You know the next the next insert name. So moving on to round six, perfect me, exa- perfect example. A KGB, and I should have put this in the story. And I, after I sent it, I thought of it. Um, not only what, what what made KGB even more important to the Packers then is because they failed miserably the year prior to him in the first round with Jamal Reynolds, who was supposed yeah, to be yeah. the big pass rusher. They, they took him with the tenth overall. They moved up with Seattle uh, in the in the Hasselback trade, and he was a total bust. He never did anything. But then getting KGB in the fifth round kind of made up, gave him the pass rusher that, that they had hoped Reynolds was, was going to be. So they figured they got it. They just got it in the wrong way. Exactly. So that worked out. So you moving on to round six. You got t- tight end Mark Chimura drafted in 1992. I don't think anyone's going to argue with you on that one. His connection with Brett Favre right. during those Super Bowl years was – Absolutely unequaled in terms of a of a tight end. I don't, you know, I mean, you you had another guy that you were considering who definitely I mean, deserves Crosby. a look, but but Chamora I think was the right pick. I mean, Crosby, I like Crosby, and I and I thought you know, guy's done a, he's won some games for the Packers. He's been a kicker for a long time, but I had to go with the tight end over the kicker. Right, right, right. And then round seven, I think anybody who's been been a Packers fan for the last at least 25, 20 years should should know the answer to this one. It's the most famous seventh round pick, I think, in the history of of the team. It's uh, it's it's unparalleled. It's re- receiver Donald Driver. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when you get your all time leading receiver in the seventh round, that's a hell of a pick. Right? Yeah, I'm not going to compare it to Tom Brady, but yeah, you got your all time leading receiver. He was a huge, huge part of this offense. And the cool thing about Donald Driver was. The story of his career. I'm not going to talk about his his personal story. Was a lot of overcoming adversity too. But in his career in 1999, and I think even in 2000, he was not what he turned out to be. He had to work his ass off to get good. He was he was not. He was dropping balls. I think he fell out of favor a little bit with. I don't know if it was the coaching staff or Farber. If he was just kind of a a project that they had to work on. But the light bulb went off for him, and he figured it out. Yes, he did. Yeah, you're right. And and I don't think anybody expected him to be what he was, what, what he became. I mean, if he had, if he would have become, you know, a good possession type third receiver, that's fine for a seventh round pick, right? Mm-hmm. I love that. If the Packers in the seventh round this year take a receiver, and he turns out to be a, you know, a good possession third number number three four guy. You say, hey, a good that's a good pick. But he no, this guy became not only the number one. Receiver on the, you know, while he was there, he became the number one receiver in team history, which right, is amazing. Right. That all the great receivers the Packers have had through the years. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Donald Driver, easy pick for uh, quick. Yeah, that, that was probably the easiest. Easy, easy pick for round seven. So then you had some cool notes here on. There used to be more rounds back in the day, so you've got a couple of other guys noted here too. Yeah, what I um I forget what I said. So you got Mar, you got Mar Fleming, well, Mar Fleming in the eleventh round. Um. He was and then, pretty good to get in the 11th round. And then the all-time, all-time pick, right? Yep. Bart Starr in the 17th round in 1956. Unreal. 17th round. Think about that for a second. 17. 
Yeah, that's incredible. Absolutely incredible. That's like, that's like going through the draft twice now and then adding three more rounds on top of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was, the, you know, a different era back then. But that's it just goes to show you, you know, you've got you've to have you know, the right people in the room looking at talent and understand what they see and what it could, what it could translate to. But the other thing is, is there's a lot of intangibles. Like there have been, and you saw it through your years covering the, the NFL, there's a ton of talent. These guys are all talented. That's why they're in the draft pool. But what's between their ears is a lot of times what makes the difference between whether they make it or not. And that's just something that you can't, you know, they don't release a lot of that information from the combine, the interviews and stuff like that, the mental stuff. So you see this kid come out and he's got these great numbers and he put up great numbers in his pro day, but then he gets on the field and he can't do anything. You know, he can't he can't do anything, he can't figure it out, or he's getting into trouble or, you know, name other mental issue that pops up that is holding the player back. And I don't mean like mentally, you know, mentally ill. I'm just saying like we all have been in situations where we held ourselves back because mentally we just couldn't get over a hump or something like that. You know, yeah, that's a big, that's a very, very big part. And also I've always thought this, I mean, some guys are just fit certain coaches and certain systems better than they would another system, you know? Um, You know, if if Lombardi doesn't come to Green Bay, Bart Starr might not be Bart Starr. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, seventeenth round pick, another coach might have cut him. And the same, you can see the same thing. You know, the Packers have had that story repeat itself over and over again, or not over and over, but that happened with Bart Starr and Lombardi. And then you could say the same thing for Favre and Holmgren, and or and Ron Wolf too, trading for him. I mean, if if Favre stays in Atlanta, who knows what he becomes? Probably nothing. Well, nothing because he, you know, and, and I say this very affectionately because Jerry Glanville did. A lot of good things in his coaching career, but one of the most idiotic things that he did was not, you know, he, he had Brett Favre pegged negatively from the get-go, and it's very widely want, known. That was the whole thing. He didn't want a quarterback. The general manager, um, I, think, I think it was Ken Herrick at the time, he drafted Favre. Glanville wanted, he thought he had a good enough quarterback, and um, the guy had three names. Billy Joe Tolliver, was it? I think it was. Yeah. Billy Joe Tolliver. He thought he had his quarterback. He didn't, he wanted either a receiver or a defensive player or whatever whatever he wanted. And the gentleman says, "No, we're taking this kid far." That's happened sometimes. The coach gets mad that he didn't get the guy he wanted because the general manager overrode him, and he'll just take it out on the on the player and not play him and, and or treat him poorly. And that's kind of what happened in Atlanta. And then you know, Wolf always liked. Um, Favre, Wolf wanted to take him Wolf was was with the Jets then, I'm sure you've heard this story a million times, Wolf was with the Jets he wanted uh, Favre, Atlanta took him right ahead of him and they wound up taking Browning Nagel who didn't really pan out Um, so now Wolf's in Green Bay he sees if, you know, Favre's not doing much in Atlanta and there's problems there he calls his buddy Herrick and says hey, you know, you you took him in the second round, I'll give you a first round pick for him Atlanta says Sure. <laughs> okay, we'll we'll do that. The rest of it is Packer history. Easy swap. And then you another case in point of head coach and GM would be exactly what you said for your first round choice was Mike Sherman did not want a quarterback in two thousand five. He wanted defensive help. He knew his job was gonna be on the line. Mm-hmm. And and well, I shouldn't say that necessarily. I know it was a very disappointing loss to the Vikings in the in the playoffs at Lambeau Field. That was the Randy Moss Moon game. So coming off of that Sherman wanted a defensive player, and they end up picking Aaron Rodgers, and that was part of the debate that went on in the draft room was, 
I think Sherman was was kind of up in arms because that was Ted Thompson's first draft. So Sherman had just lost his GM duties. Oh, wasn't gonna, oh, wasn't oh. happy about it, and then and then this guy that they bring in ends up picking a quarterback, and Sherman wanted a defensive guy in the worst way. Yeah, no, and um, you brought up Mike Sherman, and you know I've been a Packer fan for God, I'm how old? I'm, I'm old, so 50 years I've been a Packer fan, and even some of the bad coaches they've had through the years, I liked them. They were they were the Packers coach. I have you know, I didn't like Mike Sherman, and I don't know him personally. I just don't like Mike Sherman. <laughs> I didn't think he was he was a terrible general manager. And yeah. he was people say, but he wasn't a bad coach. Yeah, he was a bad coach too. My God. He had he had he had Brett Favre. He had Amon Green, the all time leading running back in Packer history. He had good receivers. He had an offensive line that was very good. He never got to an NFC championship game. We're all still well, I mean he should have. We he, Well he he sh- he should have because you've made a really astute point. I called it the fourth and twenty-six game, but you call it something else. I call it the fourth and one game. Yep, twice he went for it on fourth and one right before the half when he should have kicked the field goal and gone up two scores. Then he doesn't go for it. The Eagles are dead. The Eagles, the Eagles linemen are standing there, they're huffing and puffing. They're running the ball down their throats the whole second half, and it's fourth and one from the forty, and he punts it into the end zone, so he only gains twenty yards. They go for it on fourth and one, get the first down, game's over. Then Favre's taking the knee. Uh, don't get me started on much. <laughs> and there's more games than that. He blew other games through his, in, in his history. Oh, plenty. And then he gave that huge extension to Cletus Hunt, and he just did a bunch of stuff that right. didn't. didn't. How, how'd that Joe, Joe Johnson free agent sign? Yeah, well, I mentioned that. I, I, think, I, think I, I think I originally said Joe Thomas a couple weeks ago when we were talking, and you were like, wait a minute, that's definitely not a, not a, not a bad guy. Joe Johnson, different, different story. That yeah. didn't pan out. He got hurt. He was never effective. Terrible, terrible hire by, terrible hire by, by Wolf. Wolf did a lot of great things, obviously, but that was hiring Sherman and then, make, and then letting him take over as general manager. Was strike one and strike two in my opinion. Well, and that was two in a row. For everything we love about Ron Wolf, that came on the heels of his hiring and then firing Ray Rhodes. Ray after. Rhodes after one season in 1999. So he, you know, he went from Mike Holmgren into two. You know, it wasn't a clunk. Sherman isn't going to be thought of as a clunker because Favre and the rest of that team bailed him out, and they probably won in yeah. spite of him. But you know, the 2005 season was kind of the warts showing. And then they, um, you know, they, they didn't they didn't have a good year that year. And then of course that's that's uh, Thompson's first year. And then it was from that point it was on to McCarthy. Yeah, McCarthy. And I, I McCarthy, I like. I do. I think it got bad at the end because in this NFL you can't stay somewhere that that long. You just that, it just doesn't work. You know, I don't know why, but it just this is the, the days of Tom Landry in Dallas and Don Shull in Miami forever and ever and ever. And even those guys at the end weren't very good. So, I mean, um, yeah, but, but, you know, Mike McCarthy did well. I mean, especially when you compare him to Mike Sherman, for God's sake. Like I said, all that talent, forget not getting to a Super Bowl, never got to the title game, mm-hmm. never got to the NFC title game, ever. You know, no, that's unexcusable. With that talent, and that's, that's to me, is inexcusable. Right, and then for McCarthy to do it in his second year with a revitalized Brett Favre, yep, I think that only accentuates the what what might have been potentially missing from the Packers while Sherman was at the helm. 
I agree. I couldn't agree more. So awesome stuff. Good. I mean, good stuff, Mark. Is there anything else that you're working on at Packer Report that's coming out this week that you want to pump? Draft stuff, yeah. I'm going to do – Monday there will be a look at the wide receivers. And I, I talked to a, a good personnel guy, a guy I trust. I've dealt with him for, for years and years and years. And it's going to be a lot different than what you're seeing in online. And in my, I don't look at mock drafts as much as most people. Uh, but his list of wide receivers that I'm going to run is a little different than what everyone else is saying. Good. I'll, I'll, that, we need we need that though. That's what I was saying earlier. Is I'm getting I'm getting lazy. I'm like I'm constantly picking Ayuk, and then and then Michael Pittman. Thirty and and well, I had uh, no Ayuk in the simulations that I do. Ayuk seems to be there in the second round, which I don't That's think it's a second round pick. That'd be a good second round pick. Yeah, it's in, no, it's in the second round. I don't take him in the first round, but he always seems to be there. And then Pittman seems to be there, and oh, it's this, it's it's a lot of the same guys. So we need some fresh eyes and some fresh perspective. I'm looking forward to to reading yes, that. Yes, since you do these, and I don't, I don't even think about it till like the week before. Who are you taking at thirty? Thirty, uh, the thirtieth pick depends on how the how the. Sure, I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, ben, who have you taken when you do it? Like, give me a couple names. Uh, gosh, it's been so long since I've done one. Oh. Now, now for some reason, I'm I'm blanking on who it is that I've um, I've taken in a lot of these in the in the first round. Um, if either Kenneth Murray or Patrick Queen are available, I'm drafting either one of those two. Oh, so Murray, those those have I, always been those have always been my picks. But then recently, which makes me feel good that they do update the rankings, they haven't been there at 30. They've never made it that far. If Murray, if Murray makes the 30, I, I've said this. I'm I'm on the record of saying this. If Murray makes the 30, I'll be. It, it shouldn't take the Packers more than a, 10 seconds to get that card up. <laughs> or not, how however they're they're doing it this year. I guess there won't be the actual card going up, but whatever. I mean, that would be the greatest pick of all. That would be unbelievable. Um, it, it would also mean about 15 teams made a mistake. Right. Because I think I, Murray's one of my favorite players in this draft. Yeah, Murray and Queen. And, and Queen, then, I'm, not, I'm, not as, I'm not as high on Queen as everybody else is. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think – see, a lot of people feel the opposite. I've heard the opposite of where they feel like Murray is, is more raw. He's got a lot of talent, but is he going to reel it in and be able to, to move yes. to, up to the next level where they feel like Queen is more ready to go on day one? Uh, I, I differ. Again, I'm 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 talking to my guy. I'm, I don't I'm not a scout, but I but I I the guy I trust tells me Murray's very very good. Queen might not be. So Josh we'll, Jones, the off. I was gonna say Josh Jones, the offensive tackle, totally different position. Like if he makes it to one, I've picked him before, but that's only happened I think once. Oh. All right. Well, we'll do this again next week, right? We will do. Yeah. So good. Good news for April. We're gonna mix up the schedule. You're gonna see some changes throughout Pack a Day, and one of them is that Mark is gonna be joining me every week along with Paul Brettel. So it'll be the three of us every Saturday and that'll start next week. So, uh, Mark, that should be, yeah, it should be draft coverage and whatever news happens in the doldrums of whatever it is that we're doing every day to get to, uh, to get through this quarantine situation. So I guess Mark, until I talk to you next time, enjoy the beach. I'm going to (laughs) try. And, uh, in the meantime, we'll all do what we always do, which is go pack, go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.